This is Transistor.fm. Today's episode is brought to you by Balsamic, makers of Balsamic wireframes, the OG of wireframing tools. They've been around for 10 years, and it's pretty much perfect for when you have an idea and you want to put it down on paper, so to speak. It, you know, it's digital, but it'll help you clarify your ideas, your app ideas, your UX ideas, your UI ideas. It'll help you communicate with developers, designers, investors, maybe even customers. They have several versions to choose from. They have a web app, a desktop app, and versions that integrate with Confluence, Jira, or Google Drive. Check them out at balsamic.com or balsamic, <laughs> depending, depending on how you spell it. They're great people and tell them that John and I sent you. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I do product and marketing. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. You know, when I was saying my name, I I, was, <laughs> I sent this to you, but my friend Paul, my friend Paul Jarvis, uh, who's quite a well-known author, he's, he's an amazing guy, he... Uh, is always trolling me about how there's so many professional athletes named Justin Jackson. So if, if him and his wife are watching football, he'll like take a screenshot of like the NFL Justin Jackson because uh, he's no he knows that uh, like it's it's like I wrote a blog post about it. It kind of when all these Justin Jacksons started popping up in the NBA and NFL, it ruined my Google oh, search no. results. <laughs> And, you know, for a while there, my business was really dependent on my personal brand. And so I was like, oh, what are we going to do? So it's kind of become this joke. Well, there's this app called Cameo where you can pay, I don't know what it is, like 25 bucks. And you can get someone to, to create a video message for you or a friend. So he bought one from Justin Jackson, the <laughs> NFL player. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to get Chris to put in a oh, clip of that right now. What's up, uh, Paul and uh, Justin Jackson? Um, coincidentally, I guess we have the exact same name. So um, look, man, there is a hierarchy of Justin Jacksons. And I'm probably not even at the top considering there's another Justin Jackson in the NBA. So look, man, it's just how it goes. Sorry I ruined your Google rankings and... You know, when they type in Justin Jackson, the search engine, your business isn't the first one to come up. I apologize, but hey, man, it's life and it's how it works. So we all got to deal with it. <laughs> all right, man, have a good one. But yeah, it was <laughs> just so funny. Like, I'm sorry I messed up your Google search rankings. Wow. And the, the other thing he said is, he said, listen, there's a hierarchy of Justin Jackson's. <laughs> He said, I'm not, I'm in the NFL. I'm not even at the top of it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to live with oh, it. Oh, that's hilarious. See, this is, again, you're so, John Buddha, yeah, Dan Buddha. Yeah. I mean, there's not. The Buddhas. Yeah. There's not, uh, there's not many. There's not many. Uh, I, I think I've run into like one John Buddha on the internet, but it was, he, he spelled his name oh, with an see, H. There you go. Um, but. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, I pretty much get like whatever screen name yeah. I want. Yeah, you're which is interesting. No, no, John Buddha, you know, thirty sixes <laughs> or whatever for me. Underscore thirty six. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, what have you been working on, thinking about, wrestling with um, lately? Mostly, I guess, mostly working on. Um, I managed to get a decent amount of stuff out the past week. Not too much, not too much wrestling, I would say. Um, some thinking, but mostly working. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know last time we talked on the show about the whole like Apple iTunes episode numbering oh, yeah. fiasco that happened and how yeah. they kind of like walked back on that. Uh, but that did bring up a number of, of issues within our application yeah. um, around episode numbering and season numbering and, and episode types like bonuses and trailers. Uh, so I rolled that out finally, uh, which kind of like loosens the restrictions around episode numbering and, and you have to sort of turn on season numbering if you want it. Uh, seasons won't really be surfaced unless you want them explicitly. Mm-hmm. Um, numbering is 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 more free form. It's they still have to be numbers, or you know they can't be like letters and stuff like that. But they can be empty. They can be duplicates. Um, we're not like forcing anyone to sort of have unique episode numbers that are sequential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that and that's more of a thing around like sometimes you don't want an episode number. Sometimes you want the same episode number if it's a bonus episode for the previous episode or a trailer for the next episode. Yeah. Uh, so all that's rolled out. Um, seems like nobody really had any big issues with it. People that were were having problems before kind of you know welcomed it and seems to be working well. There's a couple small other updates we can we can roll out for our hosted websites for surfacing things like episode numbers and and season numbers and stuff like that yeah we don't show that right now on the websites we show it on the landing pages yeah yeah and like not there's not that many shows that have more than one season because that whole hierarchy is pretty new yeah um and i don't think every application every podcasting app supports it but um as, as far as listening goes yeah i itunes certainly does so you know this uh this this update in particular actually brought up something a challenge that I think maybe a lot of apps have this, but I, it's particularly acute with podcasting. Is on the one hand, you have folks starting a show for the first time, and the more options you present to them, the more confused they get. Podcasting is already confusing right. on its own, just to because it's it's so outside of the paradigms people are used to. I record a video, I upload it to YouTube. What's the problem? In podcasting's case, it's you record some audio, you upload it to a hosting platform that you choose, and then it would be as if that hosting platform was distributing it to Vimeo, to YouTube, to Wistia, to Periscope, to, you know, just name all of the video sites. Right. And so it's a new paradigm, and I can see people, you know, getting in, and, you know, hitting like episode numbers and season numbers and bonus numbers and bonus teasers and, and the, it's, it's a really, it's a lot to kind of handle when you're just trying to get to that first bit of success. Right. Or, you know, yeah, exactly. And if, and if it's not clear on how an episode number affects things or if they need one or, you know, they don't, obviously they don't want to feel like they're doing something wrong or incorrect um it's kind of like 
loosening up the restrictions we had, which, which, you know, at the time, at the time we built it was kind of our best guess at how that worked. Um, but after reading all the iTunes documentation, I think I got a better handle on how, at least how Apple wants to use things like episode numbers and seasons and, and trailers and bonus episodes. So, yeah. Um, and on the other hand, I mean, this is what gets me excited. Like even doing updating things like episode numbers and thinking through these things, what I like about working on the web is it is so updatable. We can continue to push this forward yeah, and make it easier for customers of at whatever stage they're at, accomplish what they want to do, get, yeah. make the progress that they want to accomplish. And that's exciting to me, even even if it's something as banal as, you know, here's episode numbers, there's yeah. so many opportunities for good UX in just in that small area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, a, yeah, there was a little bit of work that I think had to happen behind the scenes too, to make sure that people's uh, links on their transistor websites didn't break mm -hmm. because we were acquiring episode numbers and you had the option to turn on, uh, URLs for your website that were based on the episode number. Mm -hmm. So now that there's the option to have no episode number, like what do you do for that episode? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Basically, episodes, no episode number now. Obviously, they don't have a URL with an episode number. It's just the, the, the previous one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's something that like you just sort of have to, you know, not forget to do or write some tests for in your code and make sure they all still work. So when you roll it out, it's not all broken. Yes. Uh, and then the other thing I think that I haven't really gone back and looked at is, is how this update affects things like Apple podcasts and how, how your podcast is going to look in the app. Okay. Yeah. So with, with, with this show with build your SAS, um, we only had one season. We obviously still have one season, Yeah. but we were publishing the season number in the RSS feed. Mm -hmm. which actually does affect how it looked in Apple Podcasts. It would say like season one, hmm. and then it would list off all the episodes for that. Uh, so now that it's updated, I actually need to go back and look, see if they update it, because we now no longer even report the, or the season number in the RSS feed. Yeah, I'm not so I'm seeing, curious. I'm looking right now. I'm not seeing a season number. Okay. Um, it shows by year. That's how it organizes it. Okay. Uh, we did. I, mean, I should still show things like trailers and stuff like that, but yeah, we have trailer, and oh, this is interesting. So it shows up in iTunes. The first one shows up as episode one trailer. It had that's because that episode has an episode number of one, mm. and it's trail. It's a trailer, so that's what I kind of figured out after reading all this documentation is that Apple assumes that. You can either have a trailer with no episode number, which is just a trailer for the show or the season, mm -hmm. or you can have a trailer with an episode number, and it's actually a trailer for the next episode. Yeah, and we have episode 14 trailer, uh, then we have bonus, we have episode right. 17 trailer. So yeah, we've got some of this kind of these... But yeah, yeah. but I think, you, I think when you actually publish those episodes for us, I th think... The trailers are actually like teaser. You sort of had like a teaser episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They were teasers for the next episode. Yeah. yeah. So there might be something where we have to go back and actually like renumber some episodes. I yeah. Don't know, but. Cool. I mean, part yeah. of me is excited because just even looking at this in iTunes, 
Um, it is actually nice to see like this metadata. Oh, this is a bonus episode. Oh, this is right. a trailer for this next episode. Yeah. So as much as, you know, some podcast industry veterans like to uh, kind of crap on the, uh, the, I, the Apple podcast app, it's actually not too bad. It, it's, it's no, kinda... I haven't, you know, I haven't used it in a while, but it's uh, seems good. Yeah. It's still, it's still the, it's still the best one to sync shows to your Apple watch. If you have one. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, what, what else you've been working on? So uh, a couple of things that, that were smaller, but, but kind of took a while. Uh, this, Past week, I finally finished up. I think I actually finished last night or this morning. <laughs> moving over every other show that we had um, to our new CDN. So we had talked in previous episodes about kind of switching to this new CDN that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were only kind of testing it out in a handful of our biggest shows. Yeah. Um, but it seems to be going great. Um, so uh, we sort of just set up a little script to run through and transfer everything over to the new one. Uh, it took a long time. It's like 22,000 files, <laughs> but almost a terabyte of data. Wow. And uh, it's interesting that the API that they have that for the service we're using, it like occasionally will time out. It's really odd. Um, I need to actually email them and see what's up, but um, just got to have to had to like build in a bunch of like error handling and stuff like that. See, like if this thing aired out, just retry it until it works, and then so I can run these scripts in the background, right, without worrying about it. Yeah, um, and just let them go like all night or whatever. But it finally finished, uh, so all of our shows now are on the new CDN. Uh, it should be you know super fast. It's been interesting looking at like the bandwidth charts and kind of seeing the, the spike over the past couple of days as the new shows kick in. Yeah. But, you know, no one should really notice anything different. Yeah. If anything, it should be faster to download shows. Yeah. So uh, this is, yeah, this is really great. I, I never thought I'd be this excited about CDNs and... <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's just, it's so exciting because this is really... The progress that we give people has nothing to do with hosting. They have goals they want to accomplish for their business or for their brand or for, you know, the their audience. But at a at a really kind of base level, this is what we're offering people. The hosting yeah, of their is. audio files and then the yeah. distribution of those audio files around right. the world. It is it is literally the backbone of what we're doing. Yeah. Um, as far as infrastructure and and cost. So yeah. To kind of find one that kind of find one that like fits fits us the best is pretty exciting. And and how much bandwidth do you th- figure we do a month right now? Uh, we're probably up to like I want to say like twenty five terabytes already. Wow! Like it just it keeps growing like pretty quick. It's so um, crazy. I know. I mean, you know, you like you think back to. That episode we did about how we started our our like tech careers and how we started with like downloading stuff on the internet over uh, the modem. Yeah, <laughs> like yes. To, as a kid that age, to think about what twenty five terabytes is, yeah, is like mind blowing. Oh I my think. god! <laughs> you yeah, you just could not even like that yeah. would <laughs> even record even like downloading. What is today, you know, a podcast 
yeah. over you know, a 50 megabyte podcast over a 2400 baud modem. It's like a couple of days. I mean, it's, I didn't even know how long that would take. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for a quick calculator, but yeah, it, yeah. it was just too much. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we should be in a good place uh, for that stuff now, which is exciting. Um, on the flip side of that, I know we had a couple support requests around people saying that uploading new episode audio files was slow. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's happened before and it's like really bizarre and kind of um, confusing as to why it's happening. So the way our uploads work is we have, you can upload a file with a progress bar in the in the app itself, in the UI. And it, it's essentially just uploading it directly to Amazon. Yeah. Which then like, in the background, we'll process the file if it needs to be re-encoded, um, if it's not an MP3 and stuff like that. Yeah. So you you know you'd think it's Amazon, so it's it's be super fast. But I was trying to do some research as far as like what would affect that, and there's it's hard to say. There's like a number of things that can affect upload speeds uh, directly to S3. Yeah. But uh, S3 does have an option to turn on this like acceleration, like this accelerated bucket mode. Yeah. Which means that it can it can like speed up certain requests. So I turn that on. Um, we'll see if it works. We'll see if it it helps out any because I know you noticed it too. But then I did it. I was doing it. I didn't notice anything. I mean, I was I was uploading like a fifty megabyte file in like you know thirty seconds or something. Hmm. And it, it must be hard to debug that stuff because. It could be anywhere. It could be. It is, yeah. I mean, it could be just like Amazon, it, for whatever reason, is like throttling that bucket or region because a lot of stuff is happening. I don't. It's yeah. really, really hard to say. Um, and that was right around the time that all that Facebook and Instagram stuff was happening too. Like, I wonder if there's a <laughs> if everything's impacted at the same time. I, I looked at you know to kind of get in the weeds a little bit. I looked at. Um, a number of other options. So we use um, this uploader called DropZone, which mm. is like this JavaScript library to ha- to help with like uploading multiple files at once and having progress bars and being able to upload things like in the background. And that integrates to a certain extent with with Amazon and uploading directly to S3. Mm-hmm. But they have this option to turn on what they call file chunking. Okay. Or multi-part file uploads which essentially like splits the file up into different like portions yeah so we have a 50 megabyte file that might say like all right this 50 megabyte file we're going to split this thing up into 10 5 megabyte files yes and then we're going to upload those all at the same time gotcha and then once they're all done we recombine it into one file and then you can kind of like pull the URL from S3 and store that to do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I tried that and it seemed to work okay, but it wasn't recombining the file. It would just like, there'd just be like 10 parts in S3. And oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's, I think there's, we could look into that later, but yeah, that might, that seems like maybe too much complexity. It's like, I just, you know, I think my, my developer brain was like, I need to make this as, like, as fast as possible. Yes. Yeah, and I went down this rabbit hole and was like, "Wait a minute, this is going to be like far more work than I want it to be." Yeah, well, and, <laughs> I mean, and and yeah, diagnosing that stuff is, I think, the tricky part because, especially with software development, so many of these solutions end up being simple. 
Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's really hard to say because like it's either simple or the 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 variance and the the things that you can't control. Like, let's say, okay, so I'm in I'm in Chicago. I think when I tried this at first, I was at the office, which has gigabit fiber, mm-hmm. like both ways. It's like incredibly fast. Yeah. Uh, you're you're in Canada on the West Coast. Yeah. I believe our S3 server like endpoint is in the East coast of the U S gotcha. So that could affect it. And like yeah. our customers who are having this issue, like, I don't know where they lived. Um, I tried it, you know, back at home and it was seemed to be fine too. It's like really is that stuff's really hard to, to sort of um, diagnose. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's so many variables there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how this, how it works with this accelerated mode or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, see how that goes. if, if folks out there in listener land have, have done things at their work that have worked for diagnosing things like upload speeds, uh, taking into consideration all of the factors, uh, let us know that that would be, I actually, I was chatting with uh, a friend the other day who I used to work with. We were just doing a catch up call and, I was like, so what are you doing now? And he said, well, I'm in a startup that basically monitors and diagnoses problems with with microservices. Hmm. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Because if you think about like a modern company and how many, or a modern software stack and how many microservices there are in there. Oh, man. And like diagnosing, like if something happens what part of the stack is it? Like, where where is it? And this this tool that they're building can like actually monitor right down to the event level, and can quite quickly, from what I understand, diagnose problems. Hmm. So, I was like, man, that that'd be great if you had a, you know, you wanted to raise a bunch of money. That's a good company to build right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, people are people are loving the microservices. Yeah. Uh, so on my side, um, one thing I did yesterday that I've been thinking about doing for a while, but I was scared to do because I knew it would bring up way more to do's than we would have time to to, to (laughs) complete, but I felt like it was probably a a good time to do it. We launched in August of 2018 and there are things that I have not looked at since August. Yeah. (laughs) Meaning what's it like to go to our marketing website, sign up with a credit card, and just try to create a show. And I decided to do it live on a live stream. Uh, I'll put the show, the link in the show notes. This is Mighty Episode number 50. So if you go to saas.transistor.fm slash 50, you can get the show notes. Uh, yeah, so I, did, I just went live and said, okay, folks, I'm just going to do everything from, you know, Google best podcast hosting application to finding Transistor to signing up. And what was interesting was in the comments, you know, I'm trying to pretend I don't know, you know, anything about Transistor, but of course I do. And in the comments, people were picking up on things that I was kind of brushing over. So they'd be like, well, wait a second. Does it say you get a 14-day free trial on the sign-up page? And I said, oh, I don't know. And, and <laughs> I went back and looked, and I couldn't see it. And then 
I'm like, oh, maybe we don't. And then someone found it. It's like in really small letters right below okay. the button. And I thought, oh, well, maybe that would be an interesting split test. For example, changing the headline to, I think right now it says, you know, create your podcast with us or something. We could say, you know, start your 14-day free trial in the headline. Um, so things like that were really interesting. And basically what I was trying to experience and check for is, you know, what's the sign-up flow like? What's the first impressions like? What kind of onboarding do we have right now? Where could I see a new user getting stuck? What parts of our UI are not very intuitive? Uh, what welcome emails do I get? I, I'd completely yeah. forgotten. Like what? And initially I had, we had one that was just kind of like in the Rails app, that a welcome message that sends. And then I had also sent set up a MailChimp sequence, but um, be. I, I disabled it because people were getting the, the Rails email, plus they uh -huh. were getting our MailChimp email, and then also sometimes they were getting our newsletter email. Right. And, and you can get some feedback from people that were like, you're sending too many emails. You're sending too many emails. And you can filter, you can, you know, you can filter for all that stuff. And what I really should do is create probably event based emails in Mixpanel. Um, which I've done before, but it just takes time. And I'm also trying to think through what's actually best for the user. So, you know, it's a best practice now to send like a sequence of emails and, you know, event-based emails especially, but I'm just questioning all of that. Like maybe just one welcome email is enough if we can make it amazing or yeah, it should have enough content, I think, to to sort of point people in the right direction. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I know we set up the welcome email, but I've also signed up for services, and I just, like, completely disregard the welcome email. Yes. Yeah. And so, like, I maybe there's something that's a little more valuable to people than just that. Well, and I mean, that's the idea behind event-based triggered emails. Um, and... You can do them well. It's just that more often than not, they're not done well. Right. Like, you know, you uploaded your first episode. You, you hit a certain number of listeners. Or... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I mean, it, I don't want to disregard anything without testing it first. And I think we will eventually test more kind of sequential emails. But right now, I just wanted to get a sense of what does it feel like to get that email? And... um you know, I think one thing people forget is people are often reading that email after they've already been in the app, right? Like mm -hmm. they sign up, they get into the app. So you almost need to be thinking, okay, what do they need to hear now? Like what, yeah. and probably it, it, it's like, it's very likely, especially with a new app like ours that needs, still needs a lot of finesse. It's probably likely they got stuck and right. you're still in that first 48 hour window where you could get them unstuck, get them to some success, and have them stick around for a long time. But if you miss it, if they don't get some success, then you know you might you might lose them. And that was one really helpful thing in the chat. I, I think if you go to the YouTube video, you can still see the live chat as it goes on. And one of the helpful pieces were people saying, "Okay, what does the what's the what does success look like for a new user?" Right. And I said, I think it's two things. I think the first bit of success is when you upload your episode and you can share it with a friend. Yeah. Like, oh, it's done. And now you can share it with a friend. And I noticed even things like we show a little 
um, a message once they upload an episode, but I think we could make those more um, targeted. So when they upload their first episode, you know, congratulations, you've got your first episode. You can share it now with somebody here and, and really kind of earmark that moment. Like this is significant. You did mm-hmm. upload your first episode. This is yeah, great. That's good. Yeah. That's, yeah. I haven't, I should, I should run through that too. Cause I haven't, since since building it and launching this thing uh in in the summer like i haven't really gone through it with with the context that we have now of all these other people mm-hmm. you know filing support requests and and us like oh yeah you know, answering these quests so that would actually be like really really interesting it well instantly as i was going through it i was thinking of the hundreds of interactions i've had <laughs> and gone oh wait this makes so much sense like, yeah, what? like I, we need to rebuild this entire thing <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and there's some of these things actually we, we noticed early on, but we were like, well, we just got to launch. Like we can't, we can't sit on the pot forever. Right. Um, and so I, I, I think there are things that we knew, but now that we're in it, we're just like, so much of us is just trying to deal with the current problems, but being able to kind of zoom out and go, Oh, wait a second. There is some things here we could do that, uh, that would really improve the experience for first-time users. Yeah, that's probably a good a good practice to get into for us or for anyone really who's who's doing something like this is to go back and like pick out certain areas and have this like moment of reflection and and to go over it and kind of reevaluate it based on what you've learned in the past whatever x amount of months. Totally, totally. Yeah, I think it's something if you're building a product, it, it's almost something you should do. You know, put in your calendar every quarter. Just like, okay, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to see what this feels like. Yeah. Uh, also getting other people to sign up and watching them being, being able to do some of that, like, uh, those old user testing, uh, things where, you know, okay, I'm going to stand behind you and I'm just going to observe yeah. as you, as you sign up for my application. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are as cheesy as it sounds. Those are really helpful. Cool. All right. So time for our second sponsor. We recently switched to Clubhouse for our project management. We're so happy to have them sponsoring episode 50 of the show. Uh, There's a few things I really like about it. First, it's fast and intuitive. Uh, I started, I didn't have to read any help documentation. I just (laughs) got into Clubhouse. I intuitively understood how it worked. It's very fast. Uh, They've They've done a lot of uh, work to implement the Fastly CDN, which is something we've looked at as well. And uh, that the performance really shows when you use it. It just feels almost native. It's just really, really quick. And uh, the other thing I like about it is it. I, I was actually doing this live during this this YouTube video, but it allows people on any team to focus on their work, like on a specific task or project, while also being able to zoom out and see how that work is contributing towards the bigger picture. Yeah. So, you know, if you are in a bigger company, you know, this really matters to engineering VPs, CTOs, product managers, that ability to see everything and get the sense of, okay, here is the, you know, the big picture. And I mean, you're head of tech at Blackbox. Is that your official title? Yeah. 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 Uh, I've been a product manager and this is, like I lived in the big zoomed out view, but if you're an individual team member or you just need to focus and go, you know, some days I'll just go into clubhouse and I'll go, okay, just look at everything assigned to me 
and it just like cleans it all up. And then I could go, okay, just everything in marketing. And then it, it just like, it's, it almost, um, is a relief to just see all these other tasks go away and go, okay, yeah, it is. This is what I need to focus on. Yeah. I think I've mentioned that before where I, I feel like clubhouse is, is like almost infinitely configurable, but not in an overwhelming way. It's like, you can do a lot with it in a lot of different ways, but it's not at all overwhelming. No. Yeah. And the, the filters are super, super quick. Uh, folks, don't take our word for it. Just try it out for yourself. You can get two free months by going to clubhouse.io slash build. And we would love for you to try it out. We, uh, we've, we're happy that they're sponsoring the show. So if you've been thinking about it, just go, go do it at clubhouse.io slash build. Oh, John, you've got a you've got, you've got, got a heavy you, you topic. You've got part a heavy two. topic for part two. Okay, let's get into it. So, so something I've been thinking about, I, I, I thought about it before, but obviously more recently, um, since yesterday, I believe we're recording on Saturday here, mm-hmm. Friday. Um, this this horrible, you know, mass shooting that happened in New Zealand mm-hmm. at a, at a mosque. Um, obviously by someone who is like some sort of white nationalist hate group, you know, piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in a place where you just like, don't think of things like these happening. Like obviously the U S is like, you become somewhat desensitized to this crap, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But like, so the thing that, that that kind of came to mind with this is that you know we run Transistor, which is this publishing platform that allows people to sort of you know say what they want and, and distribute their their opinions and their voice around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like how do we how do we as a platform handle things like hate speech? Like let's say we have a, a podcast that is just like because we're not gonna we're not gonna be aware of every show that's mm-hmm. out that's on our platform. We're not going to be, we're not going to listen to every minute of every episode and be aware of what they say. But like, let's say someone signs up and they, and they have this show that is just like broadcasting these, these ideas that are absolutely hateful and, and like discriminatory against a certain group of people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like how do we handle that? Like how do our personal beliefs Mm kind of play into that? Um, do we specifically come up with something in our terms of service for like around hate speech and the fact that we can cancel your account basically at any point we want? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're a private company, so we can basically do whatever we want. Yeah. Like it's up to us to sort of write these guidelines and say like, if you're saying these types of things, um, we basically have the right to cancel your account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is even more acute with the recent stuff with Patreon. It's kind of like the thing, if you're not running a business and you hear about it, it's the, the kind of topic you go, you almost think, oh, thank God, I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> right. But on the other hand, you have, you know, you have people that are like, you know, sideline coaching or whatever you want to call it, backseat driving. It's like, mm-hmm. that are not running a business, but, but, kind of make it seem like it's a super simple thing to do mm-hmm. and yeah. implement, which, you know, I guess, I guess what comes to mind is Twitter, but they're a public company. So it's a lot different. 
Yes. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. So for us, it would actually be a lot easier to just be like, nah, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> like we don't, we don't even want your money. Yeah. Like yeah. just bye. Yeah, exactly. Bye. But it is tricky because the, I mean, especially with all the backlash against Patreon, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about the Patreon situation, but I know that they felt like they were banning, you know, conservative accounts that were associated with hate groups. But the counter criticism is that, no, you're just showing your political bias. Right. And, um, you know, uh, uh, Sam Harris, uh, who has a, you know, a huge podcast and a Patreon account deleted his Patreon and hmm. wanted to do something else. You know, my, my opinion on this, to be honest, just keeps changing depending on what I hear, you know? Uh, uh, on one hand, I go, you know, in the past, for example, um, I don't want to, I don't want to like get too political. So I'll just say, you know, when certain folks have been elected, I was speaking out because it, it, I was emotional basically, but I, I had fans and customers contact me and say, you know, if, if this is the way you feel, I don't want to be a customer. Yeah. And I said, that's fine. I yeah. will refund your money. <laughs> if uh, that's the way you feel, I don't want you as a customer. That's right. But, and, and, you know, that was definitely applauded by all my, my liberal friends, but it, it's in some ways it just reinforces the tribalism and the, you know, it, it doesn't, yeah, it's, it's easy for us to say, well, okay, then, you know, I, it, it's, it, it, it can be simple of saying, well, I, I just don't want your money and we can do that, but there's obviously going to be a line like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's such a big difference between free speech mm -hmm. and hate speech. Yes. Yes. But it, it does get, it does get trickier because, you know, by definition, um, there are some religious texts that you know, some folks might say are hate speech. Right. Um, and some folks would say, well, no, they're not. And so, you know, I think even the, the, it'd be interesting for me to do some more research on it and how the, the, uh, the U S government defines hate speech, how the Canadian government defines hate speech, yeah. how it's prosecuted. Um, because, you know, I think that, that part, um, you know, that would play in a little bit to how we, right. We manage this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I obviously don't want our platform to be a place where there's like people publishing these ideas and words that are encouraging other people to sort of, you know, be violent against someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. you can disagree with someone's political beliefs and, you know, conservative versus liberal and stuff like that. But like mm -hmm. at the point where it turns violent, like that's, there's a line there and like, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, again, maybe we need to, we need to look at our terms of service again. Right. And, you know, when I was working for a uh, email newsletter platform, we said um, you couldn't, you know, there was like, you couldn't. Uh, promote gambling sites you couldn't promote firearms sites like we yeah. just had some things in there that 
you know, uh, I'm sure had other kind of legal ramifications. But arguably, we can put things in our terms of service that, you know, are the boundaries as we see them. I'll also say that in some ways, I expect that we'll have an easier time. The reason being, you have to pay to use our platform. And I, you know, I know from building MegaMaker, which is a private community people have to pay to get into, the level of trolling and toxicity, and <laughs> it's just like money up front really filters out a lot of problems. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not bringing this up because we've necessarily run into it yet with no. Transistor, but... um it's just you know it's it's been coming up a lot in the, in the news and with with recent events and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah and i i mean it's it's a really good point and i'm sure for example libsons had to deal with this because yeah. they're so big they've got so many shows i mean an anchor and soundcloud for yeah. sure will have to deal with this because I'm sure. whenever you have a free platform where people can sign up as anonymous entities and publish their ideas you're going to get all sorts of folks signing up. And I actually just wrote, a, it's weird that you brought this up because I just, my newsletter this morning that I send every Saturday was this topic. Um, it's just called People on the Internet Can Be So I, Mean. I think I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of factors to consider and one thing I was thinking about, and you something you said that just made me think of this was, you know, if we are all aligned towards um, making progress, enriching people's lives, getting to better ideas, like if we all have those goals, then it's easy to talk things out. It's easy to, um, you know, the, the speech almost by definition, is going to be respectful. But Mm -hmm. the problem happens when people are, you know, speaking out of ego, envy, bitterness, and uh, and included in ego, I I think I'll include an inflated sense of, you know, um, it could be an inflated sense of religion or an inflated sense of, you know, where you just feel like what you believe kind of trumps yeah. another person's humanity. Right. And hopefully, um, you know, maybe we can use some of those ideas to, you know, if we, <laughs> for sure, we're going to run into this at some point. <laughs> yeah. And to, to be able to say, you know, I, I think we will be able to deal with those on an individual basis and go, you know, it just seems like your goals for your podcast and our goals for the platform don't align. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll refund your money and you can go somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So anyone, anyone who's listening, like we're obviously thinking about this and we'll uh, come up with some reasonable terms of service and uh, figure out how best to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure. Like if you, if folks have ideas on how they've dealt with it too. Yeah. Like, if anyone has in the past, let us know. I think, you know, I think as soon as we as soon as we get an email from someone saying, Hey, the show you're hosting is is like 
saying this and that, and it's really, really horrible and hateful, like we'll obviously look into it Mm -hmm. um, immediately and, and kind of figure out a a way forward. Another, another benefit of us, you know, this is, if you're thinking about starting a company, you get to decide the level of complexity you want in your life and free accounts. They just introduce a whole level of complexity. Yeah. And for example, I, how many accounts do we have right now? I think we've got 200 and maybe it's even more than that, I guess. Oh, it's, yeah, it's oh, way whoa, more than eight, that. 836. Uh, but 836 is a lot different than the millions or billions oh, yeah. that these free services are going after. You know, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. They, they have to deal with things at a scale that almost yeah. seem... Um, in not human. You yeah, know? I mean they have they have entire departments dedicated to p- policing content and probably you know people programming like machine learning to sort of figure out like where to look at first. You know, it's, and and even then that yeah, they, there's all those awful stories about the humans that are responsible for moderating <sighs> content on Facebook yeah. and how. You know, it's like damaging them mentally. Yeah, I, yeah, that story that came out was awful. So the the <laughs> scale, like we get to decide the scale, and a problem. One problem with free is that the scale gets very, very difficult. Yeah, very fast. Very I fast. Think. Well, it can. Yeah, and the just by putting up a price. You're going to attract a certain quality, uh, a certain quality, a certain type of customer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, including I, I've got two teenagers in my house right now and their brains are still developing. I'm sure just like I did when I was on ICQ, I'm sure they are saying things on the Internet that they should not be. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I when I was that age, I said stuff I shouldn't be. I, I think back at it and be like. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yes, but right now with these anonymous free platforms, you have no idea who you're talking to. You don't know if this is a 45-year-old person in, you know, you don't yeah. know. It could be my it could be my 13-year-old son whose brain is developing. Oh, yeah, that's that's been the case forever on the internet. I think Facebook tried to fix that, but then introduced a whole another level of problems. <laughs> yes. So, you know, um it's an interesting thing. I had one more thing to talk about, but I think I'm going to push it to next week. Okay. Um, so folks, tune in next week. We're, I want to talk about affiliate revenue. It's been an interesting channel for us. And uh, yeah, so tune in next week. Um, it, we've got all sorts of kind of thoughts around that. John, why don't you thank our monthly supporters? All right. Yeah, thanks. Thanks as always to our, our Patreon supporters for supporting the show and you know paying for it our ability to edit it uh, so well and, and get all of our mistakes out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> our, I'm sure our blooper reel is very large at this point. Oh yeah. Chris has got Chris, some dirt on us. Chris has, <laughs> Chris has got the dirt. <laughs> uh, uh, so thank you to Kyle Fox at getrewardful.com. Speaking of affiliate programs. Yeah. Uh, my brother, Dan Buddha at Daniel Buddha on Twitter and danbuddha.com. He just celebrated his 40th birthday. Oh, so no wish way. Him, wish him a happy birthday. Nice. Yeah. 
uh, Darby Frey, Samori Augusto, Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Dan Erickson, Mike Walker, Adam Devander, Dave Ajunta. Junta. There you go. <laughs> and uh, as we said before, uh, Clubhouse and Balsamic. Yeah, thanks everybody. And we will see you next week. Please, uh, if you haven't already given us, given us, given us, give us, please provide us, give us, provide, provide with provide. <laughs> podcast hosting is provided by transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple podcasts and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.